thank you for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or dislike what you're listening to, either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057, or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so connect with us today. Shane Jones from New Zealand First, Minister for Oceans and Fisheries, Regional Development, Minister for Resources. We want the gold for ourselves, by the way, Shane. Associate Minister of Finance, Associate Minister for Energy joins us for our first first catch-up in 2024. Good to see you again. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity. I'm good for my word. I said on a regular basis, I would uh, appear to share the message with your listeners. Well, you you said that, and here you are. Uh, It was interesting watching from afar, I'm in Wellington, the activities from Waitangi. There's quite a bit of coverage, a lot of footage up. I saw you do a 14-minute speech in Maori. I didn't exactly know what you were saying, though I think you're involving the groups around the country because I picked up on that. It was quite an impressive thing. What were you saying? Well, Winston Peters had said to me after Ratana, Shane, try and embrace a wee bit of the statesmanship of Sir James Henare, the last commander of the Māori Battalion, who, uh, much greater than myself, had the fortune of growing up and learning the heritage and the language through our church and my time at St. Stephen's School and my grandmother. So I was reciting the unchallenged history of prior to the treaty, when the treaty was signed, and I, and I was reminding the people from Waikato, Turanga Waiwai, the name of the treaty is the Treaty of Waitangi, not the Treaty of Waikato. And if they want to debate the fundamental meaning of the treaty, then come to Waitangi and listen to what the members of parliament have to say. Sadly, Winston did stand up along with Mr. Seymour, and uh, they received quite an awkward reception. But that was always on the cards when you look at the... Uh, volatility associated with Annette uh, Sykes, the speaker from down the line. So how would you rate the experience this time round, given, I'm right, isn't it? There's a lot of noise. Is uh, Professor Rata right when she says it's, it's, it's good that there's noise now, that kind of sort of bursting a bubble potentially here? Uh, yeah, I think that Jacinda, probably since we were with her in 2017, took the treaty debate in a direction where too many people felt that they were being asked to acquiesce with a set of outcomes that they were never personally asked through the electoral system to endorse. Now, I mean, Elizabeth always has views that do generate themselves a lot of controversy. Uh, Having said that, however, I I felt that uh, the the issue has been widely opened up. Let me put it to you this way. Not once did Winston Peters, and let me talk about ourselves first, ever say we're going to disfigure, dismember the uh, Treaty of Waitangi. If anyone, it's the Māori Party saying the treaty has no meaning unless you focus on the Māori language version. The treaty is indivisible. The treaty is bilingual. That's been the trajectory ever since it was signed. But obviously, pent-up pressure and passion and the Māori Party are hoping to capitalise on the misinformation, but I felt that Winston laid it on the marae very clearly, 
that we're not in the business of dismembering the treaty, but there is going to be a mature discussion as to the trajectory our nation's going to take, certainly over the next 15 years. What sort of conversations did you have there? What were people saying to you directly? Um, well, the philosophical difference, and, and please um, don't scoff when I say this, but the philosophical difference was I'm a Democrat in the sense that without electoral mandate, I have no role in public life. Yeah. Uh, and I trace my legitimacy back, even talking to you as a public figure on the show from the effort that our party made to win electoral support. And then that washed me into parliament and fortunately be a minister of the crown. Other advocates were saying, no, you derive your leg legitimacy because you represent the crown from the signing of the treaty in 1840. Uh, governments come and go and the treaty lasts forever. So I think that's a philosophical, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate the importance of the point, but quite a lot of the debates were about that. Other people just want to get on with things. The reason that I, and, 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 and uh, I don't want to uh, get too trivial here, but the reason that I announced we're going to change the regulations for how many kinners you can take, not to be too prickly, is because garden variety, coastal Māori are watching their local environment uh, degraded through, bio, yeah, through, through you know, basically the local um, habitats being ruined and kinner is a staple food for a lot of those people. So I'm going to change the regulations after following a statutorily compliant process. And they love that local stuff. It's just that they don't get a voice when we end up talking about esoteric matters that in, in, in the humdrum of daily life very rarely ever impact the average Māori household. So the point you just made about um, you having a mandate uh, and 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 being where you are because of that and not kind of the other way around is what Professor uh, Rata was saying, that um, that is that, that's what democracy is, right? I mean, that's essentially what it is. And retribalism is the other way of doing it, and that has no mandate. That has no – there is no actual free representation. Yeah, well, we all belong to our marae, our church. Um, we have interests in Māori land. I mean, those are unusual and distinctive property rights that the average Kiwi doesn't have to endure. <laughs> However, uh, we derive our political mission from the fact that we go and ask our fellow New Zealanders, will you back me? This is the kaupapa. This is the, pro uh, the, pro uh, the uh, direction we want to travel. And I know what it's like to be booted out, unemployed. So I'm not going to do anything that betrays the interests of the people that sent me to Parliament. And this nonsense that we're going to turn the Waitangi Tribunal into an administrative corpse, this rubbish that by refining the Waitangi Tribunal principles or working out what on earth do they mean? And for example, in the Disability Act, the hell's an 1840 Treaty of Waitangi reference doing in the Disability Act? The state should be operating on the basis of humanity. If you and I have a mokopuna or a partner or an elder, who's suffering a disability issue, I don't need a rehearsal of the Treaty of Waitangi to advise me how I should be um, influencing the state to deliver services to someone who's unfortunate to suffer uh, a disability. Now, I don't want to trivialise the debate, but it's got, in my view, that entangled that we need to, uh, to sort it out. And that's the approach that Winston and I are taking. Why do you think people, including the media, some parts of the media, making stuff up? Oh, well, look, they're looking for theatre. I mean, I'll be the first to say I got 
uh, I got annoyed at Ratnapar, which is a religious place, and I was annoyed that I was being challenged. I felt um, illegitimately, and then I was um, uh, insulted, or my leader was, by this young pup from the mists of Tuhoi. So I sent him back to where he belongs, hopefully not to be heard of, heard of ever again on a marae where uh, the true Totara trees are speaking, and I include myself in that description. So uh, it wasn't surprising that a number of the media saw in that um, niggle, they saw clash, they saw confrontationalism, and it sells newspapers. They didn't uh, focus on what I said. Don't debase Ratna Pa with these highly politicized debates which benefit the Māori Party. Come to Waitangi. And then you have your debates with us. But of course, many of them came. But once Winston stood up and speak, they didn't want to listen. And I've been privately told by a number of their families that they were very, very disappointed that not enough time was put aside for Winston to to push his, uh, well, to push out the narrative that we were voted in on. And isn't their respect due to, well, he's a kaumatua, isn't he? And he's done the hard yards yeah it? yeah look a, lot, a number of the young people their parents and um their relations did actually approach me privately but winston had moved on to deal with the diplomats from overseas and they realized that um he he ought to have been given a, a greater level of dignified silence but hey he's a tough politician he can be competitive as well yeah, and it's a mercurial style to him, so he's going to lose not one wink of sleep <laughs> over that episode of, um, yeah, I guess, rudeness. Um, it seems also from election day to now that your party has actually put on more support. Um, well, we're in the business of trying to resuscitate our fortunes at every turn in the journey, mate. Yeah. We, uh, Although we got 6.2%, uh, my wife, who played a key part along with other stakeholders in our campaign in the north, we were hoping to get slightly higher. So when you talk about uh, support slowly accreting to us, we'll bank every vote we can get. But, uh, but unless we're talking about the issues that ordinary Kiwis toss and turn about, and I, I just feel we've probably got peak Māori at the moment, uh, and we've got to move on to more more deeper issues that impact on the resilience and the profitability of our economy. That's why I'm keen to get cracking on uh, deregulating, uh, opening up mining opportunities for more working families to get jobs. And it may not uh, attract the headlines like a debate pertaining to sovereignty and how many versions of the treaty should be recognized and what version of the treaty has supremacy. That, in my view, will soon return to a number of ardent uh, participants in the debate whilst the rest of us get on with um, improving the economy and running the country. Is that the urgent challenge, economic improvement, really? Well, that's what I got elected on. Yeah. But, I mean, and when you when you look people... at everything, when you look at everything. Oh, absolutely. Made... Unless an economy generates a surplus to pay for the hospitals, the roads, the other services you and I take for granted as being in a first-world nation, that's where the focus has to be. And, and the economy at the moment is not generating a surplus. The amount of trade uh, that we're currently stuck with in terms of our GDP has lagged behind the vast numbers of our competitors. Their trade prospects have improved. Ours have not improved because we've become too insular and we have put too many roadblocks 
And uh, look, the, um, uh, the, the belly of our economy is constipated. And that's stopping trade, that's stopping infrastructure, and it's impeding the growth of people's potential to pay their own way. Because I think you're calling maybe a population of 7 million in the next under 20 years. And that's, that, that's everyone has to be accommodated, right? And, um, and we have to pay for the infrastructure to make that happen, or we all get poorer. So that's, that's quite a big challenge, isn't it? It's an enormous challenge. Um, what I was saying is that, well, who's mandated a growth in our population to that scale? And I just look at the recent growth in population, and then I say, okay, has there been a commensurate growth in the quality of our services, the resilience of our infrastructure? No, there hasn't. And I know from an economic management point of view, when you put more bums and seats, more people buy toilet paper. And that does uh, feed into a GDP statistic. But uh, I'm very, very worried that our infrastructure keep up, and which is why I'm a supporter of the uh, fast track bill that Mr. Bishop and I'm helping Mr. Bishop deliver that into Parliament, unless we can fast track and make it a lot more expeditious and efficient to allocate consents to get things done in New Zealand, we're going to suffer an inexorable slide in our quality of life and our cost of living. What sort of resistance, if any, are you noticing from the public service? Have they got the memo that there's been a change of government and New Zealanders expect things to be done well, differently, let's say, and are they falling into line? Well, I'm incredibly disappointed with the leaks that have happened. I think it speaks ill of the professionalism of the civil service. I mean, their fortunes have grown immensely since 2017, but uh, I've focused with the small group of the civil servants that I work with on getting results. I believe where I've got influence, they've definitely got the memo. However, we are choosing a new overarching chief of the, um, whatever the hell the state service is called now, uh, a chief of the public sector. And arguably that'll be one of the most important, if not the most important decision that our government makes as to who should the senior Mandarin be. And that person, in my view, needs to bring the civil service back into an area where they are doing uh, more with less and, and 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 us as well the politicians we said that we wanted to trim the sales of the state and to do that i think having the right overarching mandarin will make matters a hell of a lot more achievable marsden point something that our listeners are interested in is that still i mean that's got to be part of our resilience right because look what's happening in the middle east right now yeah, so work um, in that regard's not far away. Really? In terms of, um, well, what we need to do there is that the oil companies who couldn't get out of the Marsden Point refinery investment um, quick enough, uh, they were able to achieve that outcome because Megan Woods never ever stood in their way. She basically what? opened the door for her for them to do it. Why? Why would she do that? Do you think? Well, you know, it's a, it's an absolute mystery to me because when Winston and I were around in 2020, the owners of Marsden Point knew there's no way the government, while we were involved, was going to tolerate um, that abandonment. Uh, I suspect that 
they've swallowed the Kool-Aid, the Labour Party and the Green Party swallowed the Kool-Aid, believing that they could rapidly increase the decarbonisation of our economy by closing down the refinery. And perversely enough, they turned around and gave a multi-hundred million dollar grant to an Australian steel-owned company. So sadly, it's uh, now a matter of history, but fuel resilience is top of the, uh, top of the list of um, things that I'm pursuing. And a key part of that is ensuring that the oil companies have enough uh, fuel stored in New Zealand in the event that what you referred to, uh, international disharmony and international conflict, doesn't run us dry. Okay, a couple of um, uh, final questions. Back to <laughs> treaty stuff. The Principles Bill, um, Do does New Zealand first support Axe Bill? Do you? No, what we're going to do is abide by the coalition agreement. And the right. coalition agreement requires us, um, obviously, to work and listen to David. And the bill will go in the House. And then people from various parties will make speeches. And we'll we'll hear a lot of juvenile twaddle from the Greens and the Māori Party, inversely related to the day-to-day challenges of the average Māori household or the average Kiwi household, to be honest with you. And then it'll go to the select committee and then there'll be a protracted process where people can make submissions and then it'll be reported back to the House, as is usually the case. But the coalition agreement, um, which we signed up to, means as far as we're concerned, that's as far as it'll go. Okay. And uh, this issue, the Royal Commission's COVID inquiry, newly announced expanded terms of reference and the missing word safety in relation to vaccines, and that got a few people talking. Yeah, so the first stage is for people to provide their feedback and actually engage in the consultation as to what the final terms of reference should be. Yeah, And um, I, I'm, I'm confident that the full range of words and adjectives that are in the criteria will cover off the concerns that people raised with me when I was campaigning in Northland. However, we could have uh, gone straight to um, crystallizing a criteria, but the sense was Kiwis themselves, who were very um, agitated over the last three or four years, they deserved an opportunity to influence the final shape and form of the criterion in terms of going forward. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I, I just urge your listeners and viewers uh, to take the time and look at the words that we've used. Yep. And um, whether or not um, the, um, uh, the outcomes in terms of uh, illness, people dying, uh, adequately covered off in the criterion. That's why we're doing it. If um, there's a, a sense that people have that the criterion lacks um, specificity or it's a bit ambiguous, that's why we're going out to ask for feedback. All right, just to end, how's it been being back in the job? Well, there's a sense of relief that after three years of putting my life on hold, I've had uh, fantastic support from my wife, Dot, who I must say was the backbone of hosting over 400 people at our personal residence for the Waitangi Party, wow. including Mr. Including a bunch of the media and Sean Plunkett and various other, I won't say reprobates, but uh, colourful characters. Did it all go smoothly? Yeah, well, um, if you can keep your guests uh, full of tucker, a big belly of kai, then uh, the drinking tends to moderate and they had great music. And look, my mother was here. Uh, oh. She's 85. Uh, Winston Peters' older brother was here. He's in his 80s. Dover Samuels, born in 1938-39, he was here. So it wasn't just a whole lot of young pups 
or uh, media talking heads or corporate titans. It, uh, and, th- and I make reference to those uh, older folk because opening up your home and putting on hospitality of that scale is reflective of how we were brought up to look after your guests and provide them with an opportunity to meet people in the north and meet each other and just acknowledge and celebrate Waitangi in a way that is stripped of the political posturing, the constitutionalism and the constipated debates about the UN and indigenous rights, something that I'm totally disinterested in. What are the old timers saying? You mentioned a few there. They've they've got the years. They've have the life experience. Many have been through incredible, you know, experiences in their life. What are they saying to you? What advice um, are they giving? Well, you? if I can use my mother uh, as an example, um, she says, um, Shane, don't dither. <laughs> Time yeah. passes you by. Do not dither. Uh, Dover Samuels said, well, you campaigned robustly, so it's too late for you to Welsh. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Jim Peters, um, he's consistently said to me, look, Shane, make sure that you um, sieve what's worth holding on to and what's not worth holding on to. Place it, replace it with something that is demonstrably better. And last question, what is business saying to you? Because you're, you're a player crucial player now. Yeah, well, um, the fishing industry uh, are really happy. I've instituted for the oil and gas, the fishing and the mineral sector, uh, three monthly uh, joint dialogue sessions. Uh, I'm going to ensure that whatever the issues are that are occupying their attention, that I'm not hearing about from uh, the civil service or from other corners, they will be able to address me face to face. Uh, I've been given a boot in the bum already by the oil and gas guys that uh, it's not just about reopening oil and gas, that we've got to simplify uh, the bureaucracy, not so much the bureaucracy, simplify the regulatory burden of them and address the fact that after Jacinda's unilateral decision to kill off oil and gas, our sovereign risk profile has grown. By that, I mean people are a lot more nervous if they put their effort and time and money into New Zealand. Will a new government unilaterally abandon them? So, you know, I've probably have to wear a crash helmet when I go overseas and try and promote New Zealand because international investors who are already here say, well, are you open for business or not? Yeah. Are you going to have a system that's going to generate the surplus that you keep bragging about that uh, you're going to deliver? Well, you're going to need to do it in such a way that we've got confidence we're not going to get shafted. So that's been quite a bitter pill for me to swallow. But, hey, I accept that's the result that they feel after Jacinda's oil and gas decision. And is everybody getting on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that was evident at Waitangi. I mean, obviously, uh, my colleagues in the National Party, they're anxious for us to turn our attention onto the economy, which is why I really want your listeners and your viewers to pay attention to the fast-track legislation that's going to ensure that things can take place expeditiously in New Zealand. But we all know since the Tūranga Waiwaihui and Ratna Pa and Waitangi, and I'm not deprecating any of those locations or any of those events, but folks, we've got to move on and go to the core of the issue, and we're all on the same page in terms of turning the fortunes of uh, the motu, the country around, without being sideswiped by what are colourful but relatively marginal issues such as what is the relevance of the 1835 Declaration of Independence that was signed between the British resident and the Māori tribes of the North? 
Uh, I would consign that to an MA graduate somewhere buried in the bowels of the Auckland University Library. Gotcha. Good to catch up with you for this first time in 2024. And yeah, it'll be a regular thing. I look forward to the next chat. Kia ora. Thank you very much. If you've been told to pull up your socks recently, then make sure it's a pair of RCR socks. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash shop.